Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 145. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 133, Are You Sure? Continuing part of our post-vacation catch-up series. So this is like a, I think it's like a month old, I think. Yeah, I think we're doing fairly well. Maybe we'll catch up, you know, just in time to fall behind again as we do talk about other things like, oh, I don't know, the Transformers. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're familiar with this podcast, you know that we usually recap an episode and then we talk about a bunch of other things. What we're going to talk about tonight after this is a little Transformers teaser trailer that came out and also the Don Hertzfeld movie that we didn't even know existed until yesterday. <laughs> oh, hold on just a second before we do anything else. I'm getting this damn clock out of the room. Hang on. Ah, oh, you could hear that on your side, couldn't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> damn clock. Can I make some reference about that on the uh, the podcast? If you would like, that's fine. Okay. It sure makes a hell of a difference when you're the one doing the edit. You hear all sorts of different things. Yeah, you may not realize this, but Elizabeth has always been the person in charge of editing these podcasts together. And I finally decided that I needed to step up and pull my own weight and it was much helped by the fact that Elizabeth was actually here in North Carolina (laughs) to walk me through the process of editing a podcast so I've started doing that I did the whole edit on last week's podcast and I found out there's a fucking annoying clock in this room (laughs) which I heard it too but I was just like ah it's fine it's just a thing that exists oh my god yeah exactly you do you hear the podcast completely different when you're the one doing the edit I mean this chair that I'm sitting in is the bane of my existence. I mean, it just always with the clicky noises. Oh, God. Anyway, back to Night Vale stuff. So this episode was a time travel episode of sorts, which I think it doesn't really matter what we're talking about. If it's a time travel episode, I love it. I just love when they do clever things with time. And yeah. in this case, what was happening, well, we start out by hearing Cecil saying, is this the first time I've said this? Are you sure? Welcome to Night Vale. Going into the familiar opening music after that. Yeah, and things have been happening more than once in Night Vale. Something will happen, and then something will happen again, and it's the same time, only there's a different outcome, like Earl Harlan preparing uh, a salad, only he makes it out of different ingredients each time, but it's all the same time period. Right. And then little things are happening with Cecil. Like at one point, he mentions Carlos, who he says that Carlos's long hair is looking even more perfect than usual. And yet later on, he's talking about Carlos, and he mentions Carlos's close cropped perfect hair but he doesn't get upset the way he did early on in the podcast when someone dared to cut carlos's hair short no it's just now carlos's hair is short and that's the way it's always been and i love how he explained that something would happen like a disaster but then the same time period nothing would happen and it was a completely normal day but you would have like someone getting injured and then someone or get attacked at the zoo or something like that and then again you would have someone coming home and saying nothing exciting happened to me and i have never been injured and i just love that idea <laughs> of someone in nightville just walking into a room and announcing that oh i think i should probably try to do that nothing interesting happens to me and i've never been injured there you go and we do know that there has been this mysterious mask 
grotesque figure standing up on top of the Flakios building at one point. And this figure seems to show up anytime the time differences are really, really bad. So you know that they're involved somehow. We just don't know how at this point. And this episode featured stuff that I've always loved about Night Vale. You had the traffic, which was basically the poem... Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and I decided to take both. <laughs> it just kind of went on in that vein. And then you had the community calendar, which was awesome this time. Oh, yeah. We had on Monday at the last bank of Night Vale, Monday was pizza night, also karaoke night, arts night, kids fundraising dinner, and a garage sale, all simultaneously. And at the end of it, Cecil's like, huh. It's kind of a light week. Only one thing is happening all week long. <laughs> but I love that karaoke night, the only CD they have available is a CD of nature sounds. So that's what the karaoke is going to be like. A babbling brook or an autumn forest. <laughs> I would sing along to that karaoke. I don't like karaoke on the best of days, but I'd sing along with that karaoke. Yeah, that would be something I'd like to see. Yes. And then my favorite part of the episode... This week's sponsor was a tape that had the labels ripped off. So Cecil just started watching it and kind of recapping it to everybody as he was listening. And it's basically somebody repeatedly making a sandwich in their kitchen, but things start going horribly. But it's like a Groundhog Day type of thing because he keeps getting reset to the back, except he knows that something's happening. He's getting more distressed. And I like how Cecil said at one point, he runs outside and it's not really clear who's filming this. It just kind of goes on and gets more and more chaotic. I want, it was very cool. I want to see this tape. I really yes. do. I mean, because he just... He just starts screaming at one point. It's all in black and white, and you don't know who's filming. Oh, it was really good. I like that bit. So the timeline is getting worse and worse, and suddenly the masked figure appears in the studio and takes off the mask, and, oh, we need to deal with this. Uh, here's the weather. And I'm like, ah, oh, of course. The weather this week, it just says that it's from Caged Animals' new album, Escape Artist. So it's interesting. They didn't have an actual track listing. But I guess I would call it a modern pop ballad. Very industrial sounding, at least at the very start, I think. Yeah. So we come back and we know exactly who the masked figure is now. It's Leanne Hart, the editor of the Night Vale newspaper. Yep. And she had put her hatchet up to Cecil's throat. And Cecil was wondering why in the world she was threatening him because hatchets in print media are reserved for internet journalists. And Cecil's like, I'm on the radio. I'm on your side. And she's like, no, I was just showing you my new hatchet. Isn't it cool? (laughs) She said at one point, it's this fancy metal and it cuts through flesh and bone like a copy editor through adverbs. I'm like, yeah. And Cecil says, that's an extremely cool accent. Leanne pushes the acts closer to his throat and says that extremely wasn't necessary (laughs) just so what's happening now i have to ask you this did we know that leanne hart can time travel is that just a new thing i think that's a new thing (laughs) i certainly don't remember her being able to do this before so you know print media suffering the way print media is she's actually traveling through concurrent timelines and selling newspapers in all of them but even if she tries not to mess with the timeline she still does so different things happen in different timelines which is why it was always worse wherever she was and then she started to figure out that you sell more newspapers when things are going really bad. Yeah, especially if you have an ongoing chaos that people are really scared about. So she had this whole thing about a guy stealing a car, but then he goes around on a murder spree and nobody can catch him. And 
oh my God. And Cecil said, I remember that story. They never did catch him. And she said, oh yeah, they did catch him. But I convinced him first to poison the entire town. And she said, that was a bad timeline. We all died. Not a single paper was sold. Oh God. Now, the one thing I didn't like, it is definitely true that when bad things happen, more newspapers are sold. I work in a newspaper. I know that's in everything. But what I didn't like was maybe the implication that newspapers are doing it on purpose. Because at one point, there was the idea that um, what sold the most amount of newspaper was sustained emotional arguments based on raw fear. And I'm like, "Mm, it's, I don't know. I think it's pushing an agenda, the idea that newspapers, it's in their best interest to make sure that people are scared and things are horrible so that we'll sell more newspapers. And I'm like, I think you forget that real people work at newspapers and, um, I don't know, it's, it's easy to think of newspapers being faceless organizations that are just profiting on fear, but there are real, actual, honest-to-God people and good journalists working at print media. And I know that it sounds like I'm only saying this because I work at print media, but I'm like, I don't think it's really helpful to imply that the free and independent press is causing a lot of the chaos. I think that goes to a bad place. It does. And come on, when we talk about opinionated posting based on raw emotion, that's the comment section on the news articles. Oh God, yeah. Exactly. God, that is not... uh, I know you like going to the comment section of news articles so you can find out, like, what arguments work and what arguments don't. But, oh, my God, it's a cesspit of humanity, and I cannot go near it. It's just awful. No, no, no. And, and of course, there's also Twitter, which which is also... It's unavoidable. I mean, it's here. Social media is here to stay, and we all have to learn how to live with it. I don't know. I read a really great article on how... Zuckerberg and Facebook and how he's kind of saying that, you know, the out of control situation with social media is just the thing that happens with, you know, human nature. And this whole article was pointing out how he was definitely taking advantage of trying to get people addicted to social media because that makes your platform work better. And the way you can get people addicted to social media is make sure that everybody's upset and yelling at each other. You know, so there you go. Uh-oh, drink. Oh, the drink. Oh, siren. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I'm having a Strongbow Gold Apple. Mm, Hard cider. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, what, how about you? Uh, vodka cranberry. So very tasty. Well, I also think part of the problem, well, maybe the essential problem with social media instant feedback. I mean, whereas before you would write an angry letter to the newspaper and maybe it would get published. Now you post it and someone responds instantly. (laughs) It's it's hard to back away from that. Even if you can't get someone to agree with you, you've got someone acknowledging your existence. So that's, that's addictive. Yeah. And then the internet, of course, because anybody can go and post an article someplace, people are wondering why we should pay somebody to write a news article. And that's why traditional media is suffering, because they're not getting a lot of money and you can't pay the good people to stay there. So articles like Yahoo, written by amateurs, get published. <laughs> while good writers aren't getting any money. I, this is starting to become a rant. So we'll just go away from this. And just say that what happens is Cecil and Leanne talk for a while and um, he figures out... Well, actually, how did we get back around to the ending? I was looking over my notes and I'm like, I uh, went from profiting on raw fear and then I got to the ending of the episode, which I like very much, but I cannot connect the two dots. How did that happen? Um, Well, I think Leanne had decided that she wasn't going to do the whole time traveling thing anymore just because she was just going to exploit, I suppose, the opinions in one timeline and it was fine. And, And then I think he talked about 
how he thought that that was really adult of her to make a decision that, you know, making people suffer to sell papers is a terrible thing. But then he started wondering if that was really how it all happened. And it's like, was this the timeline that really uh, existed? I need to start over at the beginning. Have I said this before? Are you sure? Welcome to Nightfell. And, and then we it. go right back into the opening music. I'm like, yay! <laughs> Circular timeline. Awesome. I love those. Anything to do with time. That's awesome. Yes. And that was it. That was the end of the episode. It was a good episode. I enjoyed that one. I like the little standalone Nightvale episodes that they do every once in a while. That's fun. Like a very cool short story. And speaking of short stories, Elizabeth contacted me yesterday and said, did you know there is a sequel to Hertzfeld's cartoon World of Tomorrow? And I said, no. <gasps> No, I did not know that. God, it came out last December, like four days before Christmas, for crying out loud. But it's called World of Tomorrow, Episode 2, The Burden of Other People's Thoughts. And I will say right now, it's not quite as weird and special as the first one. That one, just from the second I saw it, it just blew me away. This one I thought was good. It doesn't quite reach the level, but it is still definitely good. But it's also sweeter, I think. Yes. Because it's yes. a little bit more of the Emily from the future finding the point of her existence, I think, in a way. Yeah. It's, it's sort yeah. of hard to summarize this one, but I read um, Hertzfeld's commentary on it on the um, Vimeo. I loved how he started out. An introduction from director Don Hertzfeld. It turns out that writing a story around the unscripted audio of a four-year-old is pretty easy compared to writing around the unscripted audio of a five-year-old. Where once I had short and expressive reactions that could be gracefully edited, suddenly I was facing down long, rambling monologues from a small, crazy person. So <laughs> it's still Hertzfeld interviewing his niece. And I would recommend going to Vimeo and reading Hertzfeld's entire description of the process because... What turned out in the storyline surprised even him because he had to take all this stuff and try to make it into something coherent. And what was it that he said? It's one of those movies that you finish making and then are surprised that it exists. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, there's like a moment towards the end where I probably should have seen it coming what happened, but I hadn't. And I was just like... Oh, that's really... <laughs> we'll, we'll put a link in the description to the Vimeo site. I want to say it's like a $4 rental. So, I mean, the first one was cool because you could see it on Netflix for free for a while, but now you got to pay for this one. But I really do think it's worth it. It's also just a little bit longer than the first one. Yeah. It comes in in about 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So... But the other thing was news about a new trailer that dropped, and it's for the Bumblebee movie. <laughs> and right. I had to share that with Elizabeth because I knew she would be thrilled about this particular development. Oh, my God. Within the first couple seconds, I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, oh, my God, Soundwave. Oh, my God, Ravage. Yay. <laughs> so, and they actually look like Soundwave and Ravage. I mean, like Catherine pointed out, these still appear to be all Bayformery and everything. But Soundwave and Ravage looked like Soundwave and Ravage, and that was really cool. That's my boy! So, yeah, and fun. if you look at the rest of the trailers about the Bumblebee movie, okay, Bumblebee still doesn't have a face, which I don't approve of, but his design, he's a Volkswagen bug. And this is yeah. set in 1987, where apparently Bumblebee is in hiding. And it makes me a little bit worried because he's bonding with this 18-year-old woman uh, while he's in hiding and learning about, you know, human civilization, whatever. So I have this idea that obviously something bad's going to happen to her to make it so that she's not there when he finally meets up with 
what's his bucket in uh, the original Bayformer right. movies. But his design in this trailer looks so much better. It's not that insectile sort of, you know, all these multiple interlocking pieces. He's actually got real Volkswagen shape to him, even as he transforms. I'm hoping because it's not directed by... Mr. Bay. Um, It's Travis Knight, which you said he directed Coraline? Travis Knight directed Kubo and the Two Strings, which I've never seen. Oh, that's right. But I think it's come up for an Oscar at one point for animated. Yeah, Yeah. it was actually, I think it was nominated for, it may have been nominated for Best Animated Movie, but it was also nominated for Best Visual Effects, which it will tell you something that an animated movie went into that category. I saw it. It's good. You'd like it. Okay. Yeah, well, Travis Knight uh, he was also the animator, the lead animator on Kubo and the Two Strings, and the lead animator on Coraline. And Tourette, because that's the thing. I didn't technically like the Coraline movie, because they had to give her a buddy character, and they kind of changed the story just a little bit. And it just, it didn't have the really spooky quality that you got from the original book. So I really thought the movie was just fine. But I didn't have any problem with the animation itself. Yeah, the animation was beautiful, I thought, on that. So, yeah, I'm hopeful. And, you know, at the time that this episode drops, we will be seeing the Transformers 1986 (gasps) movie in theaters, so which is coming out Thursday evening, September 27th. If there's any tickets left, I believe they opened it up to new theaters. So, of course, by the time I bought my tickets, I had to get them in Raleigh. But I think they may have opened up some closer to where I live now. So, yeah, you guys, it's how many times you have the chance to go see the Transformers animated movie in theater again. Because you and I were lucky enough to have actually seen that movie in the theater the first time it came out. That was our first experience of seeing it. And it just, I just, I remember watching and being like, that movie was perfect. I mean, Yes, the bit with the Junkions got a little goofy at times and everything, but that really, that movie was perfect. I've been thinking about this movie all since I bought the tickets, and I don't think it's overstating it to say that it was almost a religious experience for you and oh me to see this. Oh, my God. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then I was at the zoo with some friends this week, and we were talking about how, oh, uh, Thursday, this movie comes out, and my friend Veronica had never seen it before, and she's like, oh, it's an older movie. I mean, are you sure it's going to hold up? Maybe it won't be the way you remember I'm like, Oh, no, I've watched it very recently. It's fine. (laughs) This is not a movie that I haven't seen in 20 years. I probably watched it last month. It's fine. Yeah, I've watched that. I've gone on YouTube and found, like, a Japanese trailer that had footage that didn't appear in the movie, and I don't even know why, but it was so awesome to see it. Oh, God. So the other thing that's happening this week is we're going to have a joint review of Transformers Lost Light number 24, which is the second to last issue of Transformers Lost Light. And that means that there will also be an Optimus Prime issues 24 and 25, and then an Unicron issues 5 and 6. And then that's it for the current Transformers series at IDW. After those, it will completely and 100% reboot. And I am so frightened. I am too. And I think... I've seen James Roberts and Alex Milne confirm they're not going to be doing Transformers after the no. reboot. I'm like, no. no. Because that was, I mean, from the moment that I read 
the issue in the ongoing Transformers series that goes back in time. The two issues, one from Megatron's point of view and one from Optimus Prime's point of view, that was the first collaboration, I think, on Transformers between James Roberts and Alex Milne. And I was just like, sold, I'm in. (laughs) I want to see more of this. I had thought, I remember when All Hail Megatron came out and I was like, I remember telling people on the old podcast, I'm like, this is just a perfect Transformers series. It is the best thing that I've ever seen. And then More Than Meets the Eye came out. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and revise that statement and say that this is the most tra- perfect Transformers book that I've ever seen. It's just, and I, it's it's just, it's so sad that it's ending. But I guess sales just really aren't there. I don't know. Now, have you read the review copy of uh, Lost Light? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. Now, one thing I've been wondering about, Lost Light still hasn't bumped into the storyline that's ongoing with Optimus and Unicron. Right. Has it started now? Do you want me to spoil it? No. Okay. <laughs> Forget I asked. Okay, it's fine. You'll read it soon. It's fine. And then we'll talk. It'll yes. Be fine. But yeah. And we'll, we're going to spoil all the things in the review, so be prepared for that. Yeah, I know. And what Roberts has been doing on Lost Light for like the past two issues, I was like, I didn't know you could still surprise me on this series, but they surprised yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, they do. They also perplex me a lot because, man, there are some deep pulls going on. Holy cow. Oh, man. my God. Yeah. Yeah, and that's most of all for the week, but I guess by now everybody knows that Henry Cavill's probably not going to be Superman anymore. Seems to be about 99% sure. Did you ever watch any of those movies? Not a one. The only one of the DC movies that I've seen was Wonder Woman. You know what? I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're missing out on too much. Some people may argue with me on that one, but I think you're probably pretty good. I just haven't heard anything to tell me that I enjoy it all that much. I mean, even the first Superman movie was apparently so over the top in the battle scene in the end that it got boring is what I've heard. I watched it. I will back up that statement. Yes, after a while I was just like, God, okay, enough. You know, you punch somebody, it throws them back. They stop themselves by tearing a furrow into the ground. They launch themselves forward. Lather, rinse, repeat. You know, it was just over and over again. Yeah, I'm just re-watching the Tudors series, so I'll get my head re-caveled that way. Ah, very nice. Yeah, uh, You know what? I remember watching him for the first time in that. There's at one point where... The king is telling him, you know, there's been some allegations, of course, that the queen was cheating on him, and Henry Cavill's talking to the king, and the king's like, well, I talked to her, and she said that, of course, she didn't do it. And Henry Cavill looks at him with a smile, it's like, well, yes, she would, wouldn't she? And I remember looking at his smile and being like, oh, my God, you just got so pretty. (laughs) He's got a great smile. He really does, which is a shame, because a lot of people pointed out that the Superman in the movies... Mm -hmm is pretty dark, you know? And I did watch the first Superman movie, and then I did watch most of Batman v Superman, but I was watching it on the plane, which is not the best viewing experience. But yeah, he's very grumpy and stern and solemn, and it's always really cool when he does smile, but he doesn't do it a lot, so it wasn't really the Superman that a lot of people wanted. Well, uh, I know that there was a whole to-do this last week with the fact that the uh, the Captain Marvel movie trailer dropped with yes, Brie Larson, yes. and a bunch of people have been complaining that she doesn't smile enough in the trailer. And then someone said, look, this would be so much better. And they took screen caps from the trailers and friggin' photoshopped a smile on her, which is like oh, the, the whole smile, you'd look so much prettier kind of thing ramped up to a million when you use Photoshop. So yeah. somebody responded and said, well, yes, heroes need to smile more. And they took like movie posters from the other Avengers 
films with guys and like photoshopped smiles on them and it was just wonderfully <laughs> creepy and wrong. It's like it really <laughs> they need to be serious when they're saving the world and all, but I mean someone said the I think it was the Iron Man two trailer that they photoshopped a smile on Tony Stark and someone said, Oh, that's creepy. It looks like Stark's about to eat Pepper's hair. <laughs> it's just it's really because it's true. I mean everybody's like, Oh, she doesn't smile enough. She doesn't smile enough. None of the heroes are smiling on the other posters. So back off. God, you know, it's just, ugh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I, think, I think some people tried to back it up by saying, oh, well, she was being too wooden in that. I'm like, no, you wanted her to smile. That was the whole yeah. pretty lady needs to smile more kind of thing. So, ugh. Exactly. Yeah, I know, right? So we'll probably put a link to those posters, too, because they were pretty awesome. <laughs> I actually like the one of Captain America kind of, like, jumping forward with the shield and everything. He's got this goofy-ass grin in his face. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. I love it. Well, they did Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> as Doctor Strange, and someone said oh. his smile made him look like he just farted and hoped nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's awesome. I love, the internet can be a terrible, terrible place. It can also be pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty damn hilarious. Yes. So that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. I guess next week, because we don't have any more Alice's and Dead. That's all said and done. Yeah. Um, most likely, maybe we'll do the last episode of Welcome to Night Vale that we're behind on. Except by the time we do that one, there will be another one dropped. So we won't quite be caught up. But, you know, we're getting there little bit by little. We're working on it. Yeah. So, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. And smile more! Oh, 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 oh,